Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. Charles Oliveira wants Conor McGregor should he be calling out a money fight instead of the most deserving challenger. Also, I answer your questions about UFC 275 boxing and pro wrestling from the UTC midweek mailbag. Remember, if you want to submit a question, email it to utcmailbag at gmail.com. Let's start with the news itself. Let's start with that. That'll be our leaping off point, looking at ESPN.com. Charles Oliveira targets, I'm not joking, quote, profitable fight with Conor McGregor for vacant UFC belt. Now, listen to, to, listen to what he says, and we'll see if this headline is really fair, right? Charles Oliveira targets profitable fight with Conor McGregor for vacant UFC belt. Now, this was in an interview with ESPN Brazil. So we're reading a translation, okay? So, <clears throat> this is a quote from, from Oliveira. It would be a very good fight for me. It would put a lot of money in my pocket, and at this moment, that's the most important thing. It would also be really good for my legacy, for me to have in my story. Regardless, if he's coming from a defeat or not, he's a guy who's made history. And I think it would be great, but it's just not up to me. If we're up to me... This fight would already be happening. Hmm. Okay. So, he's saying it would be good for me. I love the money. All right? That was his first thing. The second thing was legacy. We'll break those down in a second. He went on to say, I have a daughter to raise. Everyone wants to fight Connor. It's not just me who wants to. Everyone knows that fighting Connor is very profitable. I'm talking about money. And Connor knows that, that everyone wants to fight him. I never ran from a fight, and the lightweight champion is called Charles Oliveira. Is Islam a very tough guy? Yep. Did he fight the big names? No. He's on a big streak, but who did he fight? Um, about the Makachev fight and the, the fighting style. I don't care about his fighting style. Uh, he, uh, what he does best, I do ten times more. If he thinks that putting down everyone on the ground he fought is the same thing as fighting Charles Oliveira, he is completely wrong. So... A lot of sides to this, okay? A lot of angles. Here's the contradiction that, that I'm trying to point out here. Kelly, follow my logic and see if I'm, I'm taking you there. Okay, you ready? Charles Oliveira saying, I am the uncrowned champion. As he said, there's a champ and his name is Charles Oliveira. I don't disagree with that. What does the title mean? What is gold around your waist that says UFC on it? What does that mean? That means you're the best fighter of a particular weight class in the UFC and therefore the world. That's what it says. When it doesn't mean that, it's a, it's a hunk of bronze you could get made at a trophy store. It's got to mean something. The number one lightweight in the world right now is Charles Oliveira. So I think he's right. I, am the, I don't have the belt, but I'm the champion. I believe that. The problem is to therefore turn around and say, I want the big money fight. Should a champion be making that kind of, you know, statement? You can't with one side of your mouth say, I'm the champ. I take on all comers. Da, da, da. You kind of a champion. Part of being a champion is you take your hands off the wheel. Champions don't call their shot because when you call the shot, there's always the accusation or implication, however you want to put it, that you are ducking somebody or trying to take the easy road. 
a champ doesn't choose his opposition. Someone else, they all fight. They're all piranhas, right? They're all eating each other, and the top dog is the one I fight. The champ shouldn't ever say, I want the big money fight. I want this person. I want that. I, I'm the champ. I'll t- like he said, with, with half of you know, half of his statement was, I don't run from anybody, blah, 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 bring them all on. Sure, but you can't say that and then say, I want the money fight with a guy who doesn't, frankly, deserve a title shot at any division, let alone 155, which is Shark Tank. Charles Oliveira is kind of playing both sides of the fence. I am the uncrowned champion, but I want Charles Oliveira because I want big money. Well, you can't really do that as champion. As champion, the integrity of the title is kind of part and parcel with with what you're doing and who you are. And as a result, you really don't get to choose. And it seems like Charles Oliveira, through this statement, is kind of trying to have it both ways. He's lobbying for a fight, which champions generally don't do, while at the same time saying, but I'm the uncrowned champion, and I should get um, whatever it is, the, the, the... the title fight to reestablish myself as champion, be the official champion, should be against Conor McGregor. But Conor McGregor doesn't deserve that opportunity. And you putting it in there for money takes shine away from the title. Do you see the contradictions here, Kelly Kell? Yeah, absolutely. And this goes back to even a few years ago, too, when maybe like not a few years ago, but a year, a year and a half, when everyone thought Dustin Poirier was your uncrowned champion but he was fighting Conor McGregor and the actual championship picture moved on with vacant lightweight title. And he took that bullet, right? Exactly. Exactly. And after he beat Conor McGregor, he fought for the lightweight title and lost, of course. But it was the same thing. He was saying, you know, he wasn't even saying it, but the MMA fan base as a large majority was saying Dustin Poirier is your uncrowned champion. But he chose the money fight. After he fought the money fight, he put himself back in the title picture. You can't really have it all, both ways because it would be extremely, extremely, extremely off-putting for Conor McGregor to be in there in a title fight. Exactly. And while Dustin Poirier made a decision for his pocketbook ahead of his legacy, right? Let's just say it. He probably could have been, maybe could have been champion. Of course, he lost to Charles Oliveira, so you know, probably would have lost Charles Oliveira earlier. But he chose money over being champion. Folks, I don't knock that at all. At all. When I started working for the WWE, some idiot online, I you know one of the few times I was actually online doing something, I read that this person wrote like, "Oh yeah, Jimmy's not in in MMA anymore. He chose that that fake stuff." And I'm like, he chose the money of the WWE over being real. As if I had the opportunity to do MMA and chose uh, WWE over MMA. But that idea that I chose the money and I said to myself, I swear to God. You know what I said, Kelly Kell? To myself in my own head. If you knew what I was getting paid, you would not be arguing this either. You know what? It's my job. You're like, hey, if, if WWE is, is, and by the way, they're great to work with. I have a ton of fun. Had a great time last Monday. Uh, doing my job. It's a fun job. I'm not out there going, oh, man, this sucks. I hate this. And I'm just in there for the money. It's really fun. It's a great job. It's a lot of fun to do. And I'm treated very well. And I'm compensated very well. But the idea that that Charles Oliveira, as champion, is trying to do both 
when, to your point, Kelly, which was an excellent point, the Dustin Poirier, Poirier willingly said, I am removing myself from the title picture in order to have a trilogy fight with Conor McGregor that's going to make me more than I'd make as five, in five years as champion. And we all went, or at least I went, eh, I get it. But hey, you know. He had no earned problem. the right to do that at that point. He had exactly. lost the two of the division. He went through a murderer's row himself. Yes. He never obviously beat Habib and didn't beat Charles Oliveira, never held that, the belt belt, but he earned himself the position to fight Conor McGregor and remove himself from the title picture and then ultimately put himself back in it. And you could argue it cost him the title. Now, who knows if you wouldn't have beat Oliveira earlier. Who knows, right? I'm, not, I'm just speculating. But he understood that choice. He understood that that might happen. Oliveira is trying to do both, which right. is remain champion and yet have the big money fight. You can't justify both. Right. I was going to say, right. me saying all that about Dustin doesn't mean that I don't think Charles Oliveira has earned the right to put himself in a money fight situation because or, he also beat Michael Chandler, Dustin yes. Poirier, and Justin Gaethje the who's who of the lightweight division. So absolutely, I think he's earned the right, but not in a title fight. Like you just said, you cannot have both. Unfortunately, Conor McGregor is the money fight, and unfortunately, he doesn't belong in the title picture. So it's got to be one or the other. Which is on Conor. Conor will win in different different world we're living in. But he's not. So now, as, you know, as athletes... What a Michael Chandler, which I think makes a lot more sense, can decide is, hey, I can either pursue the title fight or I can pursue Conor McGregor. And what has he done? He's pursued Conor McGregor. Okay, fair enough. You got to choose. Do I pursue the title or do I pursue the money? Because Conor McGregor so far has not been a winner. He has not. So when it comes to legitimacy and title fights and all this stuff, he's still not the guy. He'll just make you a ton of money. But know that that's the choice. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. A good week to get your questions in. UTCmailbag at gmail.com is where they go. K-O-B. You've gone through them. You let me know what's the first one. Hit me whenever you're ready. You've got mail. All right. This first one is from Mark in New Jersey. He says, hey, Jimmy, uh, based on what you saw in the Glover fight, how long do you think Gary Prajaka hangs on to this light heavyweight title? I don't see we see more than one title defense. And I'm not, it's not a thing about, about necessarily yeah, Prohachka, maybe. I didn't see a guy who, and, and I said this earlier on the show, he was in bad position, he got his guard passed, he got mounted, he was in a few submissions, he got rocked more than once. Usually, fighters that, that win a title walk in between raindrops, meaning they're just barely staying out of trouble. It's exciting, fun to watch. Right? Dynamic, and it's must-see TV. But when someone wins that way, they typically don't hold on to the title too often. 
right? Generally, that's not your long-term champion. When you look at the people who have had t- long title runs, and it could be any fighter you want. It could be Valentin Shevchenko, Amanda Nunes, Ioana Jacek, um, uh, GSP, Anderson Silva. They could do a lot of things. They looked almost invulnerable except in one or two fights where someone really had their number. But most title defenses, and the time they won the title, are walkovers. Walkovers. So even Charles Oliveira, who right now is a dominant champion at 155, he gets hurt a lot. He gets hurt in almost every single fight, and that makes me go, I don't know how long he's going to be champion. If he's going to have that three or four, you know, at least three, which is time for the record, four would break it. Um, run at 55 because he's hurt in like every single fight. Generally speaking, really great champions are hurt in one out of every five or six fights, if at all. And Yuri Prohoshka just isn't that guy. And this division right now is too skilled to flip a coin and hope it comes up heads every time. And there were plenty of times in that fight where he was flipping a coin in bad position just hoping he got out and he did. But you can't do that every time. I don't see, right now, more than one title defense for Yidi Prohachka. I don't see it right now. KOB, harsh or fair? With the light heavyweight, seems pretty fair. Yes. <laughs> it tends to yeah. be the way of things since John, since, before and since John Jones. It's the normal run of things is short title runs. So I think he has maybe one and, and that's it. So we'll see. Could prove me wrong. Next. Mayo, motherfucker. All right, next up, this comes from John, who says, Jimmy, man, Wednesday couldn't have come fast enough, brother. There are just too many questions. It breaks my heart to say it, but I just don't think Valentina won that fight, and I'm still surprised at the decision uh, on that one. And what requirements does a fight have to warrant a draw? Uh, I feel like if we give the W to Valentina over Santos, we have to give her the W. We have to give the W to Rose for as far as a two worst title match ever. I know everyone pretty much had Glover winning as far as scoring goes, but can you confidently say that if the main event had went the distance that Glover would have gotten the decision? Uh, lately, Guys, more and we more. have the scorecards. Yeah. He would uh, have um, won a decision. I wanted to let you say that. Uh, yeah, here <laughs> but we he go. says, late, lately, more and more, I don't trust it. It's like boxing all over. I'm sorry you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but I feel like it's not a coincidence that it seems to always work in the promotion's favor, and lately there have been some real inconsistencies in the judging, to say the least. Could it be we don't want open scoring because the promotion needs to be able to give decisions that work for them? All I know is during that awesome fight, all I could keep thinking was Glover can't let this go to the judges. How many times on Saturday night did you say it's over during the Harry Glover fight? Do you believe the judging in the UFC is on the level? I don't believe the UFC as a promotion is influencing the judging. I don't. Because number one, Rose Namajunas would not have lost the title to Carlos Barza. Rose Namajunas is a much more marketable champion than Carlos Esparza. So there are, are, there are you know, um, Aljamain Sterling would not have beaten Piotr Jan. Dana White was like, Piotr Jan won that fight, da-da-da-da-da. Well, if he had had any hand in the judging, he would have won the fight. So your idea, whoever wrote this, that it always works out in the UFC's favor, plenty of times Dana's come out and gone, that decision sucked and I didn't, you know, been critical of the judging. If he's in their ear saying this, this, and that, um, then these things wouldn't be happening. Also, I don't know if I've said it enough times, maybe we don't get it. If you get caught doing that, you will lose your promoter's license. You'll never have a a fight ever again. 
That's not worth one, two, three, four, five fights going your way. It's not. It's not. It's not worth it at all. There's no way Dana White risks his entire promotion, and it would be the end. It would be the end uh, over Valentina Shevchenko or Rose Namajunas or any of the other decisions that you don't agree with. I think people F up a lot. This, this is the only major sport that is, um, that is subjective. Who wins or loses is literally up to three people that have no real criteria. They have criteria, but they're not always the same as the criteria the fans use. All right? and, they, and the idea that anyone with eyeballs thought that Valentina Shevchenko lost the first round and the judge somehow gave it to her, we shouldn't all see the same thing and interpret it totally differently. I think it's just the human nature of this. And remember, please, that most judging goes the right way. We only tend to notice it when it goes wrong. But if there's one bad decision on a card where the whole main card goes to decision, there's one bad decision, that's one out of five. Okay, that's 20%. Now, that's high. That's a lot, but it's still 20%. Most of the time, judging goes the right way. But your idea that it tends to go for the UFC or whatever, judges are influenced by everything around them. They generally don't want to take the title away from a champion, for example. So I think that psychologically influences judging. Crowds, the fact that one person's champ, does psychologically influence judging. Does the UFC go there and tell a judge, you better score it this way? No. They may feel a certain pressure to kind of like not bury the champion. For example, in the first three rounds, most judges rarely give the first three rounds to one fighter. Why? It makes it completely, you know, basically um, out of reach for one fighter to win a decision. Unless there's a 10-8 round, which are very, very rare. So I know a lot of judges in the first three rounds will at least try to give one round to the other fighter. They, they literally try to do that so that the, the, the one fighter at least has a fighting chance to come back in the last two rounds. That's not fair, and that's not right, but it does happen um also the emphasis on as as kob just wrote me in the chat whether you put controlling position versus striking on the feet in the in the, in the shevchenko santos case that's another thing is what you emphasize more so judges have biases and we're seeing it all the time is there endemic corruption no for the ufc who by the way can turn around and decide who fights for a title it's not necessary it doesn't mean anything so why would you risk your promotional life to rig a fight? It doesn't make sense. Next. Message. This next one comes from Ryan from Saskatoon here, who's got a hell of an idea. He says, uh, hello, crew. I'm sure you guys remember the most interesting man in the world commercials by Dos Equis. How in the hell have they not started a female version of those commercials? And there is, without a doubt, no one better than Valentina Shevchenko to play that role. Let's look at the facts. Valentina kicks ass for, for a living in very dominant fashion. She speaks like four or five languages. She travels around the world for fun. She regularly attends gun ranges. If this woman is not the most interesting female on the planet, then I don't know who is. Also, her nickname is The Bullet. Enough said. Dos Equis, sign this woman to a deal already. I actually kind of love this idea. That is a great idea. 
That is a great. Yeah, hundred percent. She is the most interesting. Woman she really checks up all the boxes. Really, like yeah. <laughs> Smoking hot goes out and does all this fun stuff. Is a world champion in the UFC. World traveled, articulate. Once again, speaks a million languages. That should be Valentina Shevchenko. It really should. Yeah. To beat up most men and women on this planet. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm with it. I'm totally with it. Right? She got the sweet tattoos. Yes. Valentina Shevchenko, Dos Equis, give her a call right now. Not even worth a debate. Not even worth a debate. Next. You've got mail. All right. This comes from Matt Long Island, who wants to get a little bit of your boxing expertise, Jimmy Smith. Uh, he says, hey, Jimmy, just want to know who you would take for Smith Jr. versus Better Beef. Joe Smith Jr. is from my hometown on Long Island, so I'm always rooting for him. Just wanted to hear your take on the fight. Versus Benavides. Or better be a uh, better be better be better biv better be a better be a yeah look love you if that's your boy I have called better BF's fights in, in in PBC when they were on Spike that mother effer can box and he can hit like you stole something from him he is a fantastic fantastic fighter and he's one of those guys when you look at it and and not just on the way on the way up um. Throughout his amateur career, I was like, oh, my God, European champion multiple times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the guy is 17-0, and 0, all 17 by knockout. Now, Joe Smith Jr. is a great boxer. For people who don't know, he's 28-3, and three, very, very technical. He's on right now. He's won, what, three or four in a row leading into this fight. But the power of Better Biev is just off the chart. That's going to be a tough one. I got to go Better Biev by knockout. Sorry. Next. Answer my question. All right, there's a there's a point to be made here that I think we do need to address, and then also a question. So uh, just for you know the audience's sake, as we know, usually on Fridays, Kelly gives the fight to Jimmy, and Jimmy makes the prediction. Kelly was out last Friday. Gabby filled in for her, and I gave the fights, and Jimmy gave the prediction. But this is worth noting. This comes from Keith, who says, "Good afternoon to the top team yes. on Sirius uh, and Jimmy." Uh, Kelly. Whoa, excuse did- me. That's not cool. <laughs> This wait, is wait. the Jimmy Smith mailbag. But but just be aware. Kelly, did you know last Friday Jimmy tried to have Gabby take over your spot on predictions? Yes, he wanted Gabby to read the fights instead instead of And me. she said these names are beyond me. Remember, she doesn't always it. Yeah. So she, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But so, I also yeah. defended the right to be like, no, no, no. It just falls onto the next producer to do well, it. It does, like, and Kelby producer. did kind of pull cards. I know. There, yeah. Jimmy was quick to try to replace me. It's it's it hurt my feelings. But that's okay. I still showed up. For work. <laughs> wow. Just, okay, well, you had better things to do, and you put Gabby in there. So I thought Gabby would maybe be able to read the fights and not have the satire that I you normally get Gabby while making my picks. thought could replace me is what you thought. For and well, that's okay. I, I, wow. I do also think you just wanted to hear Gabby try to read some of these names, too. I like, did that's want to hear Gabby <laughs> that's say. That's just unfair. Giddy Prohotska <laughs> and Valentina Shevchenko. Even Glover Teixeira would have been a difficult one for her. But here is the question. This is uh, Jimmy. I am curious. Do you know how you got on the WWE radar? You hadn't called fights in a while. You were great on series, but you didn't talk about wrestling. So, do you know how you got their attention? Yes, a, an executive that I worked with at Spike TV um, when I was in my Bellator days moved to the WWE. Like, God, like seven or eight years ago, a while ago. Yeah. So while I was in Bellator, this guy. Um, who I got along with really, really well, great guy, went from Bellator to, or, you know, uh, Viacom Spike to the WWE. 
And so the WWE was reloading talent, essentially. They just signed the Peacock deal. They had all these shows they're doing, and they wanted to make sure they had enough on-air talent to handle all their demand. And so I got a call from uh, Michael Cole that said, hey, this is Michael Cole from WWE. So-and-so, who you worked with at Bellator, gave me your information. He said, you're a very good broadcaster. Can you come in and audition? And I went, yeah, sure. And the rest is history. Did my audition, and here I am, the voice of Monday Night Raw every week. So, uh, yeah, it was because an executive moved from Spike with me, where he worked with me in Bellator, to WWE, and he recommended me when they, they were like, hey, we need some talent. He goes, hey, Jimmy Smith's good. And so here we are. That's, that's exactly how it happened, verbatim. So now you know. There you go. Now You've got mail. Sure. Next up, this comes from Kurt in North Carolina, who says, Hello, crew. You guys keep up the great work. It's a highlight every day for me to get through work, at least every day that Hollywood makes it to work or makes it late. So, you know. Wow. wow. Did you write this? Is this from BOK? Is this from BOK in, in New Jersey? Go ahead. <laughs> no. No, no, this guy is a regular mailbag uh, writer. But uh, he says, Jimmy, what do you think is the biggest misconception overall about WWE? What was your biggest mis- misconception about WWE that you realized was either totally wrong or totally different since you have started, since you began working with them? What they do is way more dangerous than you realize. Because it, it looks dangerous. Like you look, Here's the thing. This is me. I, this, this may not be everybody else. And KOB is a longtime wrestling fan. Maybe you could... could jump in because I watched it when I was a kid then I watched it when I was an adult. Here's the deal. When I watched it when I was a kid in the 80s, um, kayfabe was was still preserved. Like they talked, it was real. It was real. I talked about it like it was real. There was a lot of blood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then as an adult, not an adult, but as a young man, right, and I was about 13, 14, when you, um, when you saw pro wrestling, you had this, okay, it's predetermined, it's not real, this must not be as dangerous as it looks. There must be all these little subtle ways to make it safer than it is. And yes, they try to. But, for example, the announce table that they slam themselves into is the table that I work at every single Monday night. I am telling you, it is not padded. It is not any softer than any other table. Um, and, and looking at, like, as an adult watching that, you, like, when they get slammed on the day, powerbombed onto the table, there's always this idea that, oh, there, there must be something where that table's not. A- nope. I work on that thing every night. It's a regular old announce table. It's a regular announce table. And getting slammed into that thing would hurt like a son of a bitch, and it does. So when they jump off stuff and land on things, maybe the thing they're landing on is what they call gimmicked, meaning it's like rigged to break and look much worse. A lot of times it isn't, folks. It isn't. They're literally getting hit with a kendo stick, and it sucks. That kendo stick isn't any different than any other training kendo stick that I've ever been hit with doing martial arts. And it just stings like a bastard. So that idea that it's somehow safer than it looks, uh, when I've been in there watching this stuff, it's not. They're just falling off ladders and going through tables and all this stuff. And it's not as rigged as you think it is. KOB, as, a, as an adult fan, is that a misconception? Where people think, oh, I must be safer than it looks like. Dude, it's not. It's not. They're really doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's when, like, when you use the word fake. It's like, well, try going through You're a right. ladder, man. Try going through a table. It's, it's probably not fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> it still sucks, right? Yeah. I, I, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. Like, 
because I've had to go back to watching wrestling again, the lens that I view it view, view it through in my mid-30s is how do you do this stuff and not get hurt on a regular basis? Like, how do you, how do you not blow out a knee trying to pull these And legs? they're doing it three how, times a week, four times a week. How are you not yeah. dislocating shoulders? Like, all these different things. And, like, even when some of the injuries happen, um, like, the, like even the Big E injury, like, to me, those are the little moments that you look and you're like, you, like there is such blind trust that has to exist between these two people. Yes. That you know what you're doing to make sure I land safely and I know what I'm doing to land safely so you don't look like you accidentally hurt me. Like there's such a trust that goes into it and the stuff that they can pull off and not get hurt. I'll watch it. I'm like, seriously, like this guy just jumped through, like jumped off a ladder down to a person who was laying on two tables and somehow they're both fine. Like I'm sure there might have been a little injury in there. Like, you know, a bruise might show up, but like how are they both not crippled (laughs) and in a hospital right right now getting stretched out? That's what blows me away watching it now in my mid-30s. It's as dangerous as it looks. That's all I can say, having been in it for a year now. It's as dangerous as it looks. I roll my ankles walking. Like, I don't know well, how yeah, they're yeah. doing like, it. I, I, I step off a curb the wrong way, and I'm like, ah, oh, I blew my knee out. Yeah. And these guys are going off off 20-foot ropes. It's, it's, it's absolute insanity. Next. Message. All right. This is will be our last one for the day. This comes from Dion in Indiana, who says, hey, gang, hope everyone is having a great day. Jimmy, in pro wrestling, WWE is the top promotion there is. AEW is considered second. AEW has something going on called the Forbidden Door. This is where AEW is collaborating with New Japan Wrestling and possibly other smaller wrestling organizations to make fights cross promotions. I'm sure this is not a worry for the WWE. However, it seems like this is also happening a little bit in MMA. UFC is a top promotion, Bellator a second. The smaller companies have shown a willingness to cross promote. Kayla Harrison has already already fought in Invicta while still under PFL contract, and they said they're open to a cyborg fight. Now we see MVP being allowed to fight in bare knuckle. Do you yeah. think this MMA quote unquote forbidden door could continue? And should the UFC be worried at all? The UFC doesn't really have a whole lot to worry about, um, even with cross promotional stuff. Um, we will see more of it, and here is th- the rule of thumb. The smaller promotion doesn't hesitate to cross-promote. Period. That, that, that's the way it works. The smaller promotion never hesitates to cross-promote because they have lets to lose. It just is what it is. If Kayla Harrison loses to Cyborg, okay, fine. Cyborg's the bigger name anyway. If Cyborg loses to Kayla Harrison, there is the implication that, hey, maybe PFL is just better than Bellator, right? So... It's, it's, you have to look at that. It's always better to shoot up and miss than to shoot down and hit. Okay. So, uh, that's always have to see for the, if you're the UFC and WWE and all this stuff, you're the top dogs. You have no reason to bring up another product and make them look like they're on your product's level. If so and so from AEW, and I don't know because I don't have time to watch AEW, I don't watch AEW, but if somebody came up from AEW and it was WWE versus AEW, what you're implying is, they're on the same level. This champion from AEW, whoever it is, I know CM Punk is a champion over there right now, so let's say CM Punk, gets in there against Roman Reigns. What you're saying is that this guy's on Roman Reigns' level. And the WWE will never, ever, ever do that. Why should they? UFC's not going to do that with anybody at any other level. So that's why. Will we see more of it? Yes. Is WWE and UFC worried about it? No. No, they are not. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. 
The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.